Captain, what do you got? Yeah, just go off high seat. Amazing job, boys. Juice, amazing. Glasser. Everybody, though, uh, that was fun to watch. I mean, that's the best team in the league, and you just came in here. Got two points. Uh, but like I just said, it's been, uh, it's been a tough couple of days in Nashville, obviously. Um, a lot of people affected. Um, the whole community, our team, um, obviously was really affected by it. And um, So tonight, we're not going to give this to play. We're going to put it on the table and just be thinking of the families that were affected, um, first responders, and, and just everyone else that was affected. So uh, we'll put it on the table. Uh, this is for Nashville, and we'll be thinking of everyone uh, that was affected by the strategy. Welcome to the Gold Standard here on the 440 Sports Network, brought to you, of course, by Jaspers, our awesome partners. My name is Braden Gall, and you can follow me on Twitter at Braden Gall. My name is Michael Gallagher. You can follow me on Twitter at MG Sports underscore. So, obviously, it's been a crazy week um, for everybody in Nashville. That was Roman Yossi in the post game in the locker room following the 2 1 win over the Boston Bruins on Tuesday evening, in which sort of they have. Uh, you know, he, he basically pays tribute to the first responders, the community of Nashville, the city of Nashville, and how they went out and beat what is arguably the best team potentially in NHL history uh, in a 2-1 win. We'll get to some like, actual hockey stuff here. There's plenty of actual hockey stuff to discuss because they are insanely just the Predators are just three points out of the playoff spot, two games in hand on Winnipeg and Calgary. It is still legitimately a fight to the finish despite giving up three out of four points to Seattle last week when I told you, Michael, I was done with this team after Seattle. Uh, but obviously, things have happened. We do have a, a champion in our name bracket, which seems just sort of kind of silly <laughs> when you think about what's taking place this week. Um, there is a formula from the Boston game um, that we can kind of push forward and, and and maybe see if it projects into the future of this team with just what um, 10, nine games to go in the regular season for this team, they could actually make the playoffs. So we'll get into some actual hockey stuff, but as you heard Yossi talking there after the game, pretty emotional, Michael, that the way they played Ryan McDonough, by the way, I think his daughter's how his daughter's school or child's school was on lockdown and didn't even make the commercial flight, had to come back at a different time um, because he was staying back with his family, didn't get there until later. Like just uh, the impact of what took place, of course, at Covenant on Monday is is far reaching in our community. And the Predators are among the best in in our city at being interwoven into the people's lives. And uh, I think you heard it there uh, from the locker room, from Yossi, from the team to go out and beat a team like Boston on the road the way they did. Um you know, it's hard to kind of get your head around like a, a hockey result, Michael, but um, it felt like more than that on, on Tuesday night. Yeah, I mean, I think that's that was a perfect example of when a team is playing for something that goes beyond just wins and losses. Um, I think that was kind of that, that was one of their more complete performances of the season. Um, given the, the caliber opponent that they beat, you could say it was their best performance of the season. Um, but yeah, it just... It's kind of like when when a head coach gets fired, the, the next game with the new coach, they just come out and, and just lay it on another team because they're pissed off. Like there's there's a lot going on, a lot of emotions. And this was kind of a, a similar feeling, um, a lot going on. I know that the 
the the shooting at Covenant School hit close to home for a lot of people. I'm sure a lot of these players live very closely to that school. Some of them may even have kids that that go to that school or or, or close to that school. Um, and I think it was, I think the game against Boston was a, was a good reminder of sports sometimes can be a really good distraction from from things that are overwhelming and tough to deal with. And just watching the way the team kind of rallied together and united and, and went out and beat the best team in the NHL and arguably the best team, you know, when it's all said and done, could be the best team in NHL history, given what happened on Monday. I think it was just great to watch that because that just kind of shows you like sports can be a great healing tool. And it can also be something that just that that really just helps people just come together and rally together and be united. And I think that was a great example of what happened against Boston. Yeah. And and like I I struggle with this uh, having done you know audio sports content for my entire career this is not the first time that we we sort of have to get on the air and and talk about a thing that feels very unimportant relative to other things that are going on and this one obviously very close to our community inside of our community inside of the predators play like you said the players in that area of the city I what is what is really like I kind of have a spiel now and it's sort of like I don't like disgusting or uh, upsetting there's a lot of different emotions for it that I sort of just have like a thing I do now oh well there's another shooting I guess I need to go on the air and say the thing that I have kept saying now over and over again and I don't want to sit here with you Michael I'm sure you have wonderful policy ideas but policy is not what we're discussing here I do agree with you that sports is an incredible healer I think there's there's two things that I always tell people when this kind of stuff happens. And again, it's just ridiculous that it keeps happening. Um, it's pathetic. It's it's sad and it's our own fault. But in inside of that, I tell people and remind people in these moments that you have agency. I said it on a football show. You have agency. You can activate inside of your community um, with your time, with your money, with your votes, become an activist. Moms Demand Action is a great place to start. It is a wonderful organization nationally working to fight against this exact issue. Um, I I want to remind people because it feels very helpless to sit on your couch and tweet thoughts and prayers, which fine if that's what you want to do. But I, I think it's empowering and it kind of removes some of the hopelessness to remind people that you have agency. That, that you can go do something about this. And, and even if it's just five minutes, $5, one vote, it's still agency. And we all, and if we all do enough of it, we can actually affect change. And so I think the other thing I want to remind people of, which again, it, it's kind of pathetic, Michael, that that's like has to be my stock response now to when this stuff happens in so many of our communities across the country. But the other thing is, is this whole like stick to sports thing. Like I, I know that it's kind of a cliche now. That's kind of a like a punchline that we laugh about because sports has kind of pulled society in this country through the eye of the needle for a hundred years now. I mean, without baseball, do we have race relations where they are in the fifties and sixties? Does the civil rights movement happen without Jackie Robinson? You know what I mean? And yeah. Uh, like and and again, we're, the NHL was facing some of this before, largely with with Luke Prokoff having to put out statements because players are, you know, again free to say and do and think what they want. I'm I'm good with that, but the the 
the LGBT community in the NHL and and what Luke Prokoff, a Preds prospect who's openly gay, is going through, like that is society and sports being interwoven in a way that you cannot untangle. You, you cannot untangle society and sports and communities and people's lives. It, sports is too important to us. And I think sports has pulled society forward into the future more than anyone even really truly understands. No, I agree. And the whole, it, it angers me when I hear, when I see someone or hear someone expressing an opinion and they happen to be a sports reporter and then the stereotypical responses will stick to sports. Like we're human beings first before we're sports reporters. Like that just, it, it drives me crazy. It's like nails on a chalkboard when I hear that. Like I understand some of the people I understand the sentiment, like I wouldn't want a sports reporter out there lecturing me on politics if they don't know what they're doing. And I wouldn't want a politician lecturing me on sports. And I wouldn't want <laughs> a music. I wouldn't want a music teacher lecturing me on how to, how to cook an Italian dinner. Like I understand like people have specialties and stuff like that, but you also have to keep in mind when a tragedy like this happens, like we are all human beings. A lot of people out there are, are parents. I know you have children yourself. Like I, I, my wife and I don't have kids yet, but I can only imagine what I would be feeling if I had kids in a school and I had just saw what happened on Monday happen. Like I have nieces and nephews and I know we were talking to, you know, my wife and I were talking to my, my brother and sister-in-laws and all that. And like, they were on the phone with their representatives, like within the hour after it happened and stuff. And like, it's kind of like voting when everyone's like, Oh, well, my one vote doesn't matter. Well, if enough people stop, like break that chain and enough people are like, my vote does matter. Enough people do it. Change will happen. If enough people that that think their vote doesn't count go out and vote, you could change the 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 results of an election. If enough people go out there and and try to enact change and call the representatives and demand change from the people in charge, like change will happen. And I think that's the tough part is there's it's it's kind of like it's it's split. You, you, we know what change needs to happen, but it's so hard to actually get the wheels in motion going for that. But it is sad, like you said, that you have to have this this boilerplate spiel of every time this happens, just like copy and paste and repeat and it's just it, it, the fact that it happened once is too much, but the fact that this is a normal occurrence in our country is just very sad and, and that we have to yeah. try to continue to find ways to address it. And there's people that oppose it. And then you get into political arguments and all that stuff. And it's never just about what the root of the issue is. People make it personal and it just, it, it, it's like a, a boulder going downhill. It just picks a momentum and it's not, it's never really about what the root of the issue is. And it's just sad that we're kind of at this state that when sports reporters are, are sharing opinions and stuff it's just like stick to sports like no don't stick to sports like we are people like we we live in a country where our our opinion and our votes are supposed to matter well yes and i agree with everything you said i just i just i find it comical that people think that like yes and part of the show today we are going to spend talking about the nashville predators ability to get into the playoffs that is a distraction from what we have all been dealing with for two days and hopefully a good one. Hopefully a distraction that is is quality content that about something you love. It's why you're listening to the Gold Standards, brought to you by Jaspers, by the way. Um, it's it's why you listen to this show. Hopefully it's like, hey, you love the Preds. You want to be involved in the Preds. You pay attention to the Preds. And that's a distraction from all the other things that go on in the world. But they've never, sports and society have never not been like one in the same thing. Like, yeah, we we sent Jesse Owens to Nazi Germany. Are, are we going to tell Hitler stick to sports? Like, what what are we doing? Like, 
Like they, they, again, Jackie Robinson breaks the color barrier. Like this is like we saw some of the Russian hockey players have to answer questions. Alexander Ovechkin, these guys have to answer questions because their home country is invading a UN, a, 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 a NATO country or United NATO. Yeah, NATO, right? I, I'm not going to pretend to be a Ukrainian war expert here, but you get the point. Like it cannot be separated, especially in a sport like hockey where there are so many different people from so many different places. Well, and, also, too, sports are just so interwoven into the fabric of society. Like right. it, it can't just stick to sports because sports covers race gender like cultural issues like it's it's kind of like everyone says america's a melting pot well so are sports i mean you look at right. the nhl you have finland russia canada you have so many people from different nationalities and backgrounds and that's what that's what makes sports so great too like you can't just stick to sports because sports is this all-encompassing phenomenon that that just covers everything and <clears throat> excuse me um and like i said we, we've got some sports here that are more like you know, the actual X's and O's or the bullets of the bullet points of a team. That's probably a bad phrase. I apologize. I just there's like actual things on my sheet here to talk about with the Predators that are actually important to Predators fans. And we all deserve the distraction. But I give credit to this Predators organization, number one, because I think they have been on almost all of these issues, no matter when it comes up, how it comes up. And I know the Predators have taken heat from this, but they have stood up for what they believe in. The players are involved in the community. The organization is involved in the community. They go out of their way to help people. And uh, we can we can say all we want to about you know trading for Kyle Turris. We can say all we want to about hiring Peter Laviolette or Sean Henry putting a, a pedal tavern on the ice. We can talk about all these things. And, and at the same time, we can also acknowledge the extraordinary amount of goodwill and um, quality. I don't even know what the right word is. Like, the, the the positive influence that the Nashville Predators have on the people of our community is it, it's not the same everywhere. Okay, it's not. I've been around a lot of big time college programs. I've been a lot of around a lot of NFL programs, a lot of professional programs that it, franchises that don't act the way the Predators do. And so to see Yossi standing up in the locker room, um, to see how much it meant to the coaching staff and to the players to for them to go out and beat a team that's lost twelve times. They had lost 11 times, the Boston Bruins, the entire season. 11 times they had lost. And they went out and they got... Regulation. And, they're, they're, true. And they were down... They were down 2 nothing with three-tenths of a second to go. They, UC Soros, Cody Glass, Luke Evangelista, John Hines, the whole team went up there and played a, a really excellent hockey game. UC Soros. And frankly, it's... I, I don't know if you're ready to pivot yet into like actual... Like predators content here, but I do want to make sure people understand that while we don't always agree, and I, I'll personally be accounted here, I don't always necessarily agree with what the predators say or do or think or feel. I am proud of the fact that they have the sort of wherewithal to take a stand on what they believe in. And while I might not vote for the same mayoral candidate or whatever it might be, like we can disagree, but like they are a proud constituent of the Nashville community and have been and do far more good than they, than most franchises professionally in their community. So I just want to you know, give them a credit for where credit is due because again, they're, they're one in the same Nashville, Nashville sports predators. It's all the same thing. It's all the same thing. We all feel the same things and have to face the same issues. And um, I guess we can, we can move on to talk hockey here if you want, Michael, but I just, I just wanted to reiterate that. 
Yeah, no, I think it's a good point. And I mean, they're members of the community just as much as you and you or I are. I mean, their kids go to these schools, they shop at the same stores. Well, they probably have personal shoppers that do this, but you know, we're, we're living, we're living a similar life in, in the same city and like personal social issues affect them. Legislation affects them just as much as it does you or I. So I think it's, like you said, we may not always agree with the stance that the organization takes. It, it is, there is something to be said for at least having a stance and, and like backing up and defending it and stuff. So that that is one thing that the predators are good at. Sometimes, you know, people, the community may not agree with them, but, but they are, they do come out and they do have a stance and, and they do try to defend it and stuff. So, I mean, and it's tough when something like, like this happens or when the George Floyd thing happens and stuff like that, like there's just, there's so much stuff and it's as a professional sports organization, like you, you're supposed to address it, whether it's good or bad, like there's the pressure in that as well. So it's just, it, it's, it's applaud the decision makers because it is tough to have a response sometimes when, when you don't know what the correct response is, or even if you can't find the words, right. like, like, I, I know what happened on Monday. I, my brain still hasn't fully processed what happened. And it's just, it, it's hard to to think clearly in situations like that. And and here's, here's the other thing. It's not just a, it's not just a Instagram post from the predators. It's not just a tweet. It's not, it's not just a, you know, a, a PR script that somebody wrote down and then executed across all their platforms. There's actual substance behind the things that, that they like, there's actual time and money and effort that has been poured into I mean, God, the Children's Hospital with with Pekka yeah. and Shea Weber alone, like the the amount of it's not because like there's a lot of stuff that happens when something, you know, whether it's legislation or, you know, one of these horrific shootings or whatever. A lot of times you see companies, big businesses and, and NHL teams are big business. They come out and they post their thing on social media and it's like, that's great. That's fine. What are you actually doing? Are you actually doing anything about it? Or are you just like signaling to the world that you believe in this without actually doing anything? And the Preds, they do the stuff. They do the stuff in the community. As I guess my point is this isn't just Yossi putting a helmet on a table. The helmet on the table after the game is representative of what they actually do in the community all the time, whether there's a, sh- a horrific shooting or not. And so I, I think that's, that's maybe my ultimate point is that it's not just a marketing ploy to to like make your company look good in the in this in the, in a critical moment. There, there's like actual stuff happening that these people are doing in the community to help pe- make people's lives. I mean, PK Subban's Blue Line Buddies program is extraordinary. Yeah, that is an extraordinary thing that he did to bring one cross section of the population to meet with another cross section of the population that desperately needed to meet and communicate and 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 be together. And that is that's real stuff. That is substance. That's not a tweet. That is a real thing. So, um, yeah. The, la- the last thing I'll add on that is, as a professional sports franchise and professional athletes, what better platform do you have to enact change than the ones that, that they have? Like you said, yeah. the Blue Line Buddies program was created because PK Subban wanted to find a way to to unite young children in law enforcement. I mean, look at the three six five pediatric fund. It, these are examples of why we don't stick to sports. If we stuck to sports, those <laughs> exist. <laughs> exactly. Stop fucking sticking to sports is what we're saying. Um, uh, by the way, by the way, there is Preds playoff stuff to talk about. <laughs> yeah. But by the way, uh, and and to to Jasper's credit, by the way, I talked to them and I, this is sort of a peek behind the curtain here. Um, they are a proud, proud sponsor of three shows on this platform. Lamestream Sports, the Paul Karski podcast and the Gold Standard. Uh, we have long time been partners with them. And I got messages from from them this week that basically said, y'all don't even need to do ads, man. Just 
if you need to talk about what you need to talk about, go do it because they are also in the same boat as all of us. Like they, they, they feel exactly the same way. And, um, I, again, I, there's not, we, we just, I, I don't know. I got to move on here, but, um, quickly let's talk hockey, I guess. Um, so the records are 132 total points and 62 total wins. The Boston Bruins have 119 points and 57 wins. I could make the case that the Predators win on Tuesday night is what keeps them from breaking the record. Yeah. I mean, wouldn't that be something? How how comical would that be if they get to the end of the year and they come up two points or one win shy and it's because they lost to the Nashville Predators? At home. I mean, if you look at it, Boston had won seven in a row. They'd won 17 of, the, of its last 20. I mean, they, it, they just look like a team that was just going to come in and, and mow over the Predators. And they did. The last time they played, Boston won five to nothing. I mean, it's the circumstances of what happened on Monday kind of take away from the impressiveness, I guess, of the win. But to to not only go out there and win, but they kind of, I don't want to say they dominated because Boston's one of those teams that can always come back and score on you in a hurry. But the Predators controlled that game for, what, 59 minutes and 58 seconds, basically. David Pasternak just happened to, to get a goal at the very end. I mean, that was as complete a performance as this team had. And, and what makes it even more impressive in my mind, the top six was the kids. It was all the young kids, the future of this team, the, the, the players that everyone wanted to see when, when the, the fire sale started at the, at the trade deadline. And I think last night was a perfect example of if this Predators team can get into the playoffs, that's something that can happen. If UC Sarves is on his game, he can steal a game or two. And I think that's what, what could potentially make this team dangerous if it gets into the playoffs. I still don't think it's possible just because you have, I mean, Pittsburgh, Dallas, Vegas, Carolina, you have a loaded schedule and most of those are playoff teams. You're going to have to win, you know, a good, a good majority of them. And I just don't think the math adds up for them, but Last night was, I think, a good microcosm of if this team somehow sneaks into the playoffs of how they could potentially maybe take a couple of games, maybe a series if UC Starbucks is just a lights out. So I do think there is clearly a um, like a model for success against Boston that they that you want to see moving forward. You kind of already outlined it, right? Like the youth plays really, really well. Cody Glass was just constantly making things happen. Um, UC Saros was brilliant. Like the top six is all young players with lots of talent. And there's another, so real quickly here on the Boston side of things, before we move on to the predator side of things, which is they probably, they have to go seven and one, I believe to get to 133 points to, to break that. So set, they need seven wins to, to pick up enough points to, to get over the 132 mark. They only need five wins. So in theory, they, it's actually easier to break the wins record than the points record right now. But really that loss, those two points probably cost them a chance at the the total points record, which is 132 points. What's interesting is uh, I just, sometimes you just have to say the thing out loud to like have it register in your brain. David Pasternak scored a goal with three tenths of a second left. It was his 52nd goal of the season. Crazy. I just, if only I, predators had a player that could do that. <laughs> I just, I just wanted to point that out. I'm not trying to be disrespectful or rude to the predators players. They're obviously the best players that have been injured. Um, but I just 52 goals. Now I know we're talking about one of the best teams in history. That is 30 more goals than Matt Duchesne has right now. 30. That's an entire Preds player season on top of a Preds player season. That's two player seasons combined. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. One. That's what I'm saying. 
Um, but that is the, it is honestly it is the model though because again they they had lost uh, they'd only won two out of seven games they got destroyed another seven burger by Seattle it's like a couple seven burgers in a row um, that they'd given up to the Rangers and then to the Kraken they give up a point to the Kraken um, or they give them a point but they get the win the, in, on the Thursday then they lose to Toronto they come back and they beat Boston they are still two at the time of taping there are two points. Uh, one point back at Calgary, three points back at Winnipeg with two games in hand on both of them. So they kind of control their own destiny. And I agree with you. It is UC Saros and the young kids. Now, we've argued a lot over the last... Um, and, and by the way, tip of the cap to Boston for doing what they did, of course. No brainer. But like the moment of silence, the logos, the patches, like it, it, they were baked into all of this as well. Um, and, and so I... <laughs> The model, though, is interesting because we've argued about lose games for draft picks. And I was like, oh, they're doing their job. You know, they lose to the, the Blackhawks. They lose to the Jets. They lose to the Rangers. They lose to the Kraken. They lose to the Leafs. I'm like, okay, you're doing your job finally. But then the whole thing happened on Monday. And then they get the win. And now you look at the standings. and You're like, how the hell did Minnesota get in first place in what is a division that is extremely winnable? Winnipeg continues to lose. Uh, Colorado is now in second. Dallas is now in third. Like what? what is, has lost fourteen of its last twenty-one games. Th- th- this is nuts, and so they still have an opportunity to get in. And I think I have. We we had a conversation last week, Michael, about what is the priority for the coaching staff: developing, getting players opportunities to develop, or winning games. And I've now kind of come to the the belief that I think it might be one and the same to some degree, because if okay. you all this, if you all of a sudden are giving Cody Glass, Luke Evangelista, Igor Afanasiev, Jeremy Lozon, like all these youngish players, actual meaningful playoff-type minutes in the last three weeks of the season, and then hypothetically playoff minutes in a series, the amount of growth and experience is invaluable for the young players, even if you get swept for nothing, even if you lose every single game in the playoffs. <laughs> Yeah, I was just going to say I think it's I think they're they're the same thing or you could argue that developing the young players could potentially lead to wins. I mean, look at look at last night. Sure, Colton Sisson's and Yakov Trenin, they're not young kids. They've been on the team for a little bit. But I mean, Phil Tomasino, 19 minutes. Tommy Novak, 16 minutes. I mean, your your Afanasia was over 12 and a half minutes, I think. Evangelista close to 14 minutes. Glass, 16 minutes. Like these are the guys that are, if you're going to get into the playoffs, these are the guys that are, that are going to carry you there. And it's, I think this is, I mean, who knows? We've talked about is John Hines coaching for his job. This could be him auditioning for next year. This could be, this could give him something to go to Barry Trotz at the end of the year and say, hey, I know I've taken a lot of hits with developing the young team, but did you see what Igor Apanasiev and Luke Evangelista and Cody Glass and Philip Tomasino did in the final 20 games when no one expected us to make the playoffs? They carried us to a playoff spot. I mean, that's as good a case as any as he could possibly make for keeping his job. You, so Parson, would be a part of that as well, even though Parson earlier, as well, yeah, earlier in the year. Um, you mentioned Novak. I, I think, I think it has converged. Like they are now one in the same. Like that, like learning how to chase down a team in the standings and fight your scrap and claw your way into a playoff series. Now, I think, I don't know where you fall on this, and this was not on my rundown here, but I still think they have to like win a playoff series to save John Hines's job. I think it doesn't mean he hasn't done good things. It just feels like a time for a, it feels like a clean slate type of time, type of type of moment for the franchise. And if you're going to have a lot of young players and you're going to have a new GM, it just kind of feels like generally we know what happens. General managers like to hire their own guys. Athletic directors like to hire their own guys. And so it, it feels like a clean opportunity to do that. 
Um, yes, I agree. John Hines has done pretty good work with this with this group of players for them to play the way they have. And to, if they play it their way into the playoffs, I, I, I still, I still think they have to win the series to to save his job. But that's just me. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree. From from what I was told, when the uh, the announcement happened, that Poyle was stepping down, Trotz was taking over. Uh, paraphrasing here, I don't remember the exact words, but I, I was told basically like it would take a Herculean effort from John Hines to save his job because with a regime change, usually new general manager means new head coach, new offensive philosophy, different like you're you're changing everything. Why would you right. if you're if you're if you're stuck and you're stagnant, why would you continue to roll out the same head coach and stuff? So I, I was I was basically under the under from the understanding that I have was kind of like it would take John Hines pulling off a deep playoff run with a roster that no one thought could compete for a playoff spot in order for him to keep his job. I think it's the damage is done, but I mean, John Hines could be auditioning for another head coaching job next year. I mean, maybe he can look at the last 20 games of this year and and sell that to another team of like, Hey, the chips were down and everyone was counting me out, but look what I did. We, we kind of pulled off a little bit of an impressive run and made it interesting. So who knows? Well, and, and, and it's not just after selling big pieces, it's not just getting rid of, Nita Ryder and Ekholm and Groundland. It's not just trading the the big pieces. It's that you've lost all your other best players too. Like with, with Yossi and out, Forsberg out, Johansson out. Like it, it is just Carrier. Like you're talking about five of the top seven players on the team are out, and and then you add the trades. You're talking about what seven of the top ten? If you take away, if you take skaters, if you take away UC Soros, like seven or eight of the top ten players at, at the start of this whole deal are now either injured or traded and they're going to make the playoffs get out of here with that crap. Like that's insane. I mean, even looking, looking at last night, like Nashville beat Boston, who was on a historic pace with Igor Afanasiev, Kiefer Sherwood, Mark Jankowski, Rasmus Asplund, Tyson Berry, Jeremy Lozon, Kevin Gravel, Cal foot. Like, I mean, outside of UC Saros and and Tomasino, just because he was a first round pick, like, these aren't name brand guys. Like these aren't household names. Like a lot of people don't know who they are outside of Nashville. So, I mean, the fact that this team is against all odds finding its groove. I mean, I'm not, I'm not ready to sit here and say John Hines should keep his job, but I mean, right. kudos to the coaching staff for, for not just packing it in and, and rolling over and stuff, because I think, I think last night, <clears throat> excuse me, last night was the kind of game that fans really get excited about. And, and, and yeah, like the state of the franchise obviously needs a change and they're going in a new direction leadership wise, but this is the kind of thing that will keep fans from mentally checking out. And this will keep fans from keep fans coming back next year and stuff like that. Like they need something to be at least a little bit excited about heading into next year with all the changes that are going to happen probably in the offseason. You mentioned Tyson Berry. Has any opinion on his future with the franchise being a flippable commodity? Has that has anything changed in your mind after watching him over the last few weeks being productive as he has been? Honestly, when they first got him, I, I thought he was going to be flipped at the trade deadline. And then when they held on to him, I was like, okay, off-season move. Just like we said, if, if Saros gets traded, that's more of an off-season move. Now, I don't know. He seems to be a perfect fit on, on the power play. He's the kind of offensive defenseman, kind of like like Ryan Ellis used to be. Like That's the kind of guy you need on the power play. Um, he's someone that you can throw out there with a healthy Philip Forsberg and Ryan Johansson and Matthew Shane and your power play suddenly becomes a little bit more dangerous. So I wouldn't be surprised if they hold on to him. I still think he has pretty good trade value. So you could probably flip him. Maybe, I don't know if you get a first round pick for him, but a couple draft picks maybe, and maybe a prospect or something like that. But I would not be surprised if they held on to him because he's someone who I think fits the kind of the way they want to play. 
And he obviously, he has tremendous value on the power play as an offensive defenseman and, and someone that they, like you have Roman Yossi clearly on the, on the, on the first pairing. Tyson Berry is not on Roman Yossi's level, but he plays a similar game offensively. So I think it makes the coaching staff feel a little bit better knowing that you have someone that plays very similar one, two, three down your, down your defensive pairings. Um, just interesting watching him play and develop because we kind of know his skill set does kind of fit the traditional Nashville style of defender to some degree. Um, Not necessarily John Hines or a future coach or Laviolette or Trotz, but just like in general, uh, the Carrier Yossi style of defenseman, right? Like where they can, they can play up on the rush. Um, Quickly here, we're going to get to the Pekka statue. We're going to get to the name predators, name champion. Um, As you mentioned, Rasmus Asplen there who did not uh, make it to our final championship. We have the vote. Radic Bonk, the three seed versus the one seed Vern Fiddler. Uh, we'll give you the results to that coming up as the best named Predator player of all time. Um, although we did have uh, some people tweeting about Merrick Zidlicki, and I was like, I think Zidlicki made a pretty good run, you know? Like, I think he did. Um, so we'll get to all that. But I was looking at the schedule. Now that we know the official pronunciation of Daniel Bong, does he does he have a, a, a case to be no. back in the running? No, not over <laughs> Radic Bonk. Not over Radic Bonk. But you're right. Uh, ironically, the the as we said, all the other really difficult Russian names correctly. The one we got wrong was the uh, the simplest spelling of one of them. Um, yeah. So the, <laughs> he, here's the thing: we will have basically. I, I want to say so. There's four games between now and when we will be back with you guys uh, here on the Gold Standard. We got at Pittsburgh on Thursday, St. Louis in a huge game at home on Saturday, at Dallas on Monday, which is a monstrous game now that Dallas is in third place. And trending in the wrong direction. Vegas, another tough one, but that one's at home. Then we'll be back with you guys. Then you have Carolina, Winnipeg, Calgary. That's pretty critical. And then we have another show. And then the final two games at home, Minnesota and Colorado. So we only have two more shows in the regular season here. And they they have to win probably five, six, maybe even seven of these games. They've got to collect probably 10 or 12, 14 points to get into the postseason. Um, that would put them right around 95, 96 points, 97, 98 points. That might get them in, which is incredible to say. But they've got to have, I mean, the St. Louis game, the Dallas game, Winnipeg and Calgary. And then while these are all tough teams, they do have a lot of these games at home. So five five of those games at home after the Pittsburgh road trip on Thursday. It'll be interesting to see if they can maintain the momentum from the Boston game and sort of the emotional charge that they got from like rallying together into in a moment of crisis. Because sometimes what can happen is the very next time you go out, you either keep it up and you can maintain that level and you still are using that as fuel or the entire balloon can deflate very quickly because we're all yeah. so because we're all so focused on this really important thing. So um, just just uh, worth worth considering. All right, we'll get to the name championship uh, and some other things here. But I got to ask you about the Pekka Rene statue. And this will be the uh, lighthearted portion of the show here. Um, so I went to the Nashville SC game. On Saturday night, I sat with a couple of buddies of mine who have been in the market for the better part of, and my wife, and, and the better part of 20, 20-ish years. They, they went to Middle Tennessee. They are from Chicago and grew up fans of the Evil Empire. And all they did the entire night was ridicule the Pecorine statue. Why on earth do you have a statue? Why do you have a statue, man? He's never won anything. Why do you have a statue? Now, first of all, I think statues, and I said this, I, I think this in the Hall of Fame as well for the NFL. Like, I think it is impossible. I, I don't think any statue maker, God bless all of their hearts and souls, 
I don't think any statue maker has ever done like a face well back and maybe maybe like Michelangelo. I don't know. But but like I I those these bronze statues do not make people look good in the facial area. <laughs> they, they just don't. They just don't. Um but I think they're wrong. I I I think they're wrong. You can other teams and other fan bases can point fun. Pecorine is as close to a Hall of Famer if he's not a Hall of Famer as they're ever going to have. First and foremost, he is the most important player in franchise history by a country mile. He has ushered this franchise into a new era among the best goaltenders of his generation on the planet. Yes, Roman Yossi will take over at some point as the best player in franchise history, probably pretty soon. But I don't have a problem with the statue. I don't like where they put it on the plaza. So that's another problem I have. I think they could have done it like in a different location, like maybe close up against like the, the main glass atrium that leads in. Like it doesn't have to be like out there in that weird kind of spot. Um, Cause the idea is to have more statues. What, what do you make of people that are, that, that walk around a lot of carpet baggers in this city? What do you make of, what do you say to the folks that are like, why do you have a statue of a guy who's, you know, I guess he won a Vesna trophy and he took us in a Western conference championship and a couple divisions and a president's trophy no no rings though what do you make of the uh the complaint from from other folks i think it's one of those things that people will bitch about anything if you let them i mean it's just <laughs> what, what what does it bother you that they have a, a statue to up to right now that they have a statue of the best player in franchise history outside do you pay rent at bridgestone arena no who cares leave it alone i agree the, the placing of the statue kind of way out there. No man's land is a little, is a little odd. I probably would have put it closer to the doors. Yes. A little bit, a little bit further back. So it's not just out there, but I mean, other than that, look, it's people got to think too, like, yeah, they're, they're 24, 25 years into their existence, but they're still a relatively new franchise in the scheme of the NHL. The, they have only won two division titles they've been to one stanley cup final they have one president's trophy like this they're still in the infancy stage of like the first like the first winning conference final stuff all the like all of this is new to them who cares let them have fun they're not the first team ever to go out and put up a statue to their goalie like i i don't understand what the complaint like the nicest guys ever like let it go if you if you really if this bothers you that bad just let it go no no no. the, these are these are very close friends of mine who are Blackhawk fans who are trolling me. It is exactly what they're doing. Well, I think that says it all right there. And <laughs> and I know that Blackhawk fans their their argument counter argument to everything is how many cups did you win? Like, I think you need to let that go as well. Considering how you won one of those cups, I I don't think you should be able to use an argument anymore. Ooh, I like that, feisty. Um, no, I have no problem I with it. Like majority of Blackhawks fans, if you can't tell, there are some. That are nice, respectable people, but most of them are just assholes. <laughs> well, these are two of my friends, and they're assholes. Um, so, oh, yeah. I, look, I look you. I agree with you. The placement of the statue. I will say, I like the pose too. I think that's like the lasting memory. There's yeah. so there's so many memories of Pecorine, but the lasting memory is his final game at Bridgestone Arena, walking around doing that lap with his with the stick up in the air like that. Which again, as I know, a very normal hockey pose. But like, it is just. I think they chose the right. They chose the right pose to do and like again i don't think faces are particularly i don't think facial features and like skin translates to bronze i just yeah. <laughs> i just don't think it does 
if you look at the close up of Rene's face, like it looks like he has terrible acne. Like <laughs> the statue's face does not do him any justice, but the rest of it is amazing. Like, yeah, good job to the sculptor. But like you said, getting a face right when you're carving it out of bronze, it's it's just never going to happen. It's impossible. Go look at the go to the NFL Hall of Fame and be like, who are these aliens? Yeah. Um, but it's because it's just very this, human skin does not translate to bronze very well. No. Yeah. Uh, but otherwise, a uh, cool moment. Pekka deserves it. The statue's fine. I don't think again, like they could have put it in a different location, but whatever here. Um, to those of you who it's this it's the same crowd of folks that's like, why would you hang a banner for winning a division championship? I'm like, I don't know, because everybody does. Like it, they, they haven't won a lot of stuff. Why would you not hang a banner for winning a division championship? Right. If you get the casual fan in there and they're looking up in the rafters and they're seeing all these banners, they're probably like, Oh, hey, that's pretty cool. Well, and it wasn't the division championship that I think bothered people. I think it was the was it the Western Conference Championship banner, right? Like they yeah. won the Western Conference, they hung the banner, which I still it was think basically their way of saying they were the Stanley Cup runner-ups. Right. Which again, like when you in Major League Baseball, when you win the the NL pennant or the AL pennant, you put that in your stadium. Like that is that's what they did. And frankly, I think other teams do it all the time too. So it's not go to, like, go I, to the Detroit Red Wings arena. Right, they have plenty right. of banners up there that said, Hey, we made it to the Stanley Cup final, but we didn't win. Also, because the Predators don't have a lot of this stuff, I think it's totally fine. Yeah. Um and it's and just low hanging fruit for people that want to be trolls. I know. I know. Uh all right. So let's finish up here. Uh, obviously, huge four games, and we'll be back with you guys. Um Pittsburgh, St. Louis, Dallas, and Vegas. We'll be back with you after the Vegas games. So we got four huge games, potentially again every year, every every episode. This is it. This is the time. This is when they get eliminated or when they figure it out. Well, they gave up three out of four points to Seattle, and they're still in the hunt. So uh, Seattle's basically clinched a spot, but they're still in the hunt. Like, We're going to be saying this on April 14th when they're playing Colorado in the final <laughs> game of the regular season. Like, this is it. This is the last time. This is as far as the deadline can go. Dude, wouldn't it be amazing if on the final like second of the regular season last year, they lose a spot in the standings? They go from seventh to eighth, and they get blown out of the building by Colorado. And this year... Is it Colorado that's the last game, or is it Minnesota? I can't remember which one it is. But oh, it's uh, Colorado. Minnesota is the next to last game. What if they beat Colorado on the final day, and that jumps Winnipeg? Like what? What sweet vengeance and justice that would be. Um, uh, so our our <laughs> our our name our player name draft um, last week on the show, we got to a point where you and I basically couldn't decide what we were doing. Uh, we know everyone has stayed with us this long just for this moment right here. So. Number one seed Vern Fiddler makes it to the championship game. Uh, number three seed Radic Bonk makes it to the championship game. My vote, I believe, last week on the show was Vern Fiddler. I, I made him the one seed for a reason because I think he is the perfectly named Nashville Predator of all time. Um, no surprise he made it to the championship game. But when posted to the, to the 440 Sports audience and told the audience who to vote for, with 56% of the vote, an eight-point swing, according to the polls, Radic Bonk is your greatest name Nashville Predator of all time. Congratulations, Radic Bonk. Yes, that was that was my vote. I'm excited. We need to get a plaque made and, and send it to Radic Bonk. <laughs> what about a statue? <laughs> Build him a statue. <laughs> Congratulations, Radic Bonk. You are the most the best named player in Nashville Predator history. By the way, we also um <laughs> I think we said like a bunch of different teams that he played for, and none of them were yeah. right. None of them were right last <laughs> last week on the pod. Um, I'm pretty sure it was. Uh, I think I said like Buffalo. I might have said something else. I I don't, I don't even remember. 
it was uh, he played for Ottawa basically and Montreal and then Nashville. So that's what happens when you when you guess and you're you're well not live on air, but that's what happens when you guess and you're just trying to make it up as you go. We also don't edit this thing, man. We don't edit it. We do this yeah. show for you guys. It's all very real and authentic and genuine. We're not going to edit things out. We leave it all in. We leave it all in. Uh, mistakes, warts, and all. Uh, at, at bronze acne faces and all. Um, that is what we do here on the pod. So there you go. Congratulations to Radic Bonk, who played uh, a boatload of games for the Ottawa Senators. And we apologize to Daniel Bong. Uh, equally a great name. <laughs> yes, we apologize for trying to change your name. I mean, Bang or Bong, you can't really go wrong. Both. Of, there, try, I'm sorry. <laughs> there you go. Look at that. That's why you're you're the writer here. Um, yeah. And uh, so there you go. We, we appreciate you guys hanging out with us. Hopefully a few moments of, of levity to kind of, you know, b- break the cycle of, of awful news this week in Nashville. But uh, the Predators certainly did their part on Tuesday night, giving everybody a distraction and, and, a, and a moment that they could share. And man, if they can train, if they, if it translates and that model moves forward and they win some games here, all of a sudden they're in a playoff race and it turned on a win against Boston following the week that we had at that, you can write you can write some crazy stories, but that one would be pretty wild. So uh, just keep that in mind. Um, otherwise, uh, where can people find you, Michael? You can find me on Twitter at MG Sports underscore. Go to Jasper's, of course. Great local neighborhood watering hole. Great place to watch the games. Free parking, great food, and a great, great proud supporter of your Nashville Predators and local business here in Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, everyone out there, try to have a good weekend. Take some deep breaths. Uh, hug the people you love. And remember, you have some agency. You can make a difference with just a little bit of time, effort, or money. You do have some agency. My name is Braden Gall. Thank you all for listening. This has been the Gold Standard here on the 440 Sports Network.